Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Monday, March the 25th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the Dolphins working on joint practice sessions for the preseason. We'll talk about what that means, plus my best effort at constructing this two-year rebuild project in Miami. And with the first weekend of March Madness in the books and Zion Williamson doing Zion things, we'll explore which non-football players the Dolphins could use on their roster the most. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the new Himalaya podcast app. It's the newest on the market. It's awesome. I've checked it out myself, so you guys should too. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com, guys. We are getting so close to 100,000 page views on LOD.com, and I want that very, very badly, just as I want 100,000 downloads this month on the podcast, and we are getting close to that too. So please spread the word. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go ahead and jump right in. Boy, things sure have slowed down on the free agency front in Miami and across the league. I think Indomitian Sue is the best available free agent out there. And then from that point, it's pretty barren. The Colts picked up Justin Houston over the weekend, but the Dolphins... They might be done in general as far as this time of year, which means we have basically a month to get ready for the draft, and we'll do that on the podcast, the entire draft catalog as far as our big board on LockedOnDolphins.com, and four shows next week are all written and recorded and ready to be published next week when I'm in Hawaii for my wedding. We are one week out from my wedding, guys, so wish me luck there. But of course, draft season really ramps up on the podcast next week, and we'll talk about that here in segment number two as well. Also, the NCAA tournament has just sucked so far. I don't know how many games have been 10, 15, 20-point blowouts. I think the Maryland game in the morning against LSU on Saturday was the one close game. I know the Tennessee and Iowa game just came back from a crazy 25-point deficit to go to overtime. And I'm recording the podcast Sunday afternoon, so all the games haven't happened yet. I'm excited to watch Zion. But my goodness, I don't remember the tournament being this bad as far as lopsided scores for a long, long time. And then we've also got baseball this week as well. So I apologize for not getting into the football right away. But sports really, right now, football, kind of off the radar. And the other sports, they're going to have to raise their game. But let's go ahead and get into some football news that came in over the weekend. Not much of a news headline, But let's go ahead and call it news nonetheless. It was on Sunday and Bruce Arians reported or told a reporter that the Dolphins and Bucks are negotiating terms on joint practices this August and that will likely come in week two of the preseason. So we know that Tampa Bay will likely be the week two preseason opponent as the Dolphins tend to always play the Falcons and the Bucks or the Panthers or the Jaguars. Keeping it local, I assume that will be the same case under Brian Flores and this new regime here. But what do these joint practices actually mean as far as a football operation and the team going into the season? 
You'll recall, this is something the Patriots do every single year. They go to the visiting team that they're playing that week, their facility, and practice there all week long with them. They usually get two or three days worth of practices in, or they'll invite somebody out to Foxborough to do the same up in New England to play the Patriots all week long prior to the game. And the reason for this is very, very simple. These joint practices allow you to get the exact same type of reps you would get in a game, but it's a controlled environment. So you have Xavier Howard going up against Mike Evans. There's not going to be linebackers working underneath him or a safety coming over the top trying to take someone's head off. It simply reduces the likelihood for injuries at every position and especially the quarterbacks. And that's why you never see Tom Brady play in these preseason games. He's out there getting the mental reps and the physical reps in these practices against a new defense who is showing him new things but it's the controlled environment and a red jersey that keeps him healthy for the week one game. So my assumption from this entire idea is that we might not be seeing Dolphins starters as much in the future in the preseason as what we have grown accustomed to in the past. You'll recall last year, I think the first team offense played the entire first half against the Baltimore Ravens and those third preseason games, Adam Gase is very hesitant to pull out his starters quickly. Well, Belichick will use those games for one series or maybe even two series for Tom Brady and the offense. And then they're all out because I want those guys healthy. It's a long, grueling season for them. It's five months long for most teams. It's four months long, but why risk the injury? Why give yourself added vulnerability in August? And that's the thinking here with the joint practices, get these guys in the controlled environment, get them one-on-one reps with guys like Mike Evans, with guys like Gerald McCoy, create this competitive atmosphere and competitive practice atmosphere so that the game on Saturday or Sunday, whenever the game is, is easier for these guys and the starters don't have to play as much and it gives you an expanded look at the bottom of the roster. There really, to me, is no downside to doing this especially when you can do it across conferences in the NFC with the Buccaneers, a team the Dolphins will not even see this year, and Bruce Arians' new scheme. He can go ahead and do what he wants to do and unveil some stuff to the Dolphins because it's not going to matter. Lastly, the other thing that it does is it gives the Dolphins a eye on other players across the league and firsthand scouting and meeting with these guys. Coaches can talk to them. They can talk to the other GMs, the other coaching staff, find out about guys because free agency, as we know, and there was a great article written by Albert Breer, I want to say it was a year ago, talking about how free agency that we're seeing right now really begins in earnest back in the fall as GMs and agents and players will connect pregame, postgame, Anytime they get a chance to meet up with each other, they are negotiating the terms of potential free agency striking a few months down the road. So the legal tampering period really is about six months long. And all this does is gives the Dolphins an opportunity to get to know more players across the league on a more firsthand basis. It protects their stars from getting injured and it gives the backups more reps in games. Like I said, there is no downside to this. I'm all for it. I hope they can do it two or three times this year and every single year going forward. And even just talking about this actual football and practices and games has me so, so excited. Even if this year might be a rough one for the Dolphins and our fans, and it's going to be, we'll be honest about that. We've got the schedule release coming next month. That's exciting. And what's more is that the draft is just 30 days away. And frankly, I really don't know what this team is going to do in the draft. I do feel confident in a trade back, but from that point, who knows? There's so many directions this team can go, and we'll explore one of those possible directions on the other side of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find me on Twitter at Winkle NFL. You can find the show at Locked On Fins, and check out LockedOnDolphins.com. 
Segment number two on this March the 25th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, rolling on on a record-setting month, and I appreciate each and every one of you that has contributed to the website, to the podcast. It's just really humbling to see how many people have gravitated towards this project that started less than two years ago and has taken off to become where it is, and I think... I hope the reason you guys are all with me still is because of the dedication and hard work and quality work in film study and analytics, all the fun stuff that we do on the podcast and the site. And one thing I've been doing a little bit more of lately is commentary. And all commentary is, is giving your opinion on a topic. And good commentary is supported by strong evidence to showcase that that idea or that opinion is valid. And so that was my thinking in this article up on LockedOnDolphins.com. It's published. It is live right now for you guys. It is titled, Miami's Primary Objective, The Secondary. And I'm talking about supplementing a strength on the roster compared to thinly spreading out resources across the rest of the roster and being okay in like five or six areas compared to being dominant in one area or maybe two areas. And that's the thinking here. As you look back at the recent championship teams, and I think we can always learn the most from teams that go to the Super Bowl, from teams that get into the Final Four and the Conference Championship games. And that's where this starts because the first true step of this process is to understand that the quarterback position it ain't going to happen this year. And as the biggest Kyler Murray fan in terms of what his game is, I have to accept that. And just real quick to quell the idea that I'm down on Dwayne Haskins because I like Kyler Murray. No, I've got no dog in this fight. No, I don't have a dog in the fight. I just want to see the best possible players on the Miami Dolphins play because God damn it, I want a winner. It's been a long time since we've had a winner in this town, in this organization, and that's all I care about. And so looking across the rest of the league, the Kansas City Chiefs, the New England Patriots, the New Orleans Saints, the Los Angeles Rams, all four of those teams had top shelf quarterbacks, but what did they also have in addition to that? They had a portion of the roster that was known for its identity, whether it was Kansas City's elite playmakers and Tyreek Hill or Kareem Hunt before he got cut, Damian Williams after that, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins. They are loaded across the board there. The Patriots secondary with the McCourty brothers. You've still got Stephon Gilmore out there and Patrick Chung in the secondary as well and Deron Harmon. That secondary is top shelf. Then you have the Rams and Saints who finished third and seventh respectively in the running game and the Saints at number seven can throw the ball to their backs too. So that's kind of their identity, the backfield really being top level. And just to reiterate the importance of the quarterback because I see so many times that Dolphins fans think that we shouldn't go after a quarterback until the rest of the roster is built. Well, the last 16 Super Bowls in the ASC have been represented by four quarterbacks, and Joe Flacco is one of those flukes. Tom Brady, Roethlisberger, and Peyton Manning are the other three. And then you've got Cam Newton, Aaron Rodgers, Eli Manning, Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan. I mean, the quarterbacks that play in the Super Bowl are generally the best quarterbacks in the league, minus a few blips on the radar. So we can all agree that the quarterback is the main course of any Super Bowl mill. But still, the side dish of the Flamin' Young has to be good too. The baked potato has to be up to snuff the asparagus. Whatever it is, you got to find it. And that's where this article talks about because the Seattle Seahawks in their two-year run where they should have had two Super Bowls was built by the Legion of Boom. The Denver Super Bowl run in 2015 had Von Miller, Demarcus Ware, Malik Jackson, all elite pass rushers. And granted, they did have TJ Ward and Aqib Tlaib and Bradley Roby and Chris Harris. That team was stacked on defense. And the 2007 Giants, rather, the ones that protected the 72 
perfect season, they had that fierce four-man rush. So what do the Dolphins do to give themselves that identity before dropping the quarterback in in 2020? Because like I said, we have to accept Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins. It's not going to happen, guys. Just accept it now. The quarterback position this year is going to be rough but we can build other areas. And the spot that I want to build is the defensive backfield. Xavier Howard is set to cash in with a mega contract extension that makes him the highest paid cornerback in the NFL, and he has earned that right. Minka Fitzpatrick hit the ground running from the word go last year. His first quarter against the Tennessee Titans was the best quarter he played all year, in my opinion. And I just thought that he continued to play at that level for the most part in certain situations. So my idea is to supplement Howard and Fitzpatrick and get the secondary up to a Legion of Boom type of level. We all know by now the Dolphins really want to trade out of that 13th pick in the draft and they can load up in this class in that middle range, the 20 to 60 range with a box safety, with a center field safety, with perimeter corners, slot specialist, that position of the draft is loaded. And to me, the second best portion of this draft in terms of position value beyond the top of the first round on the defensive line. So Miami can trade back and acquire a couple of picks in that range, go from 13 down to 24, pick up an additional second round draft pick because the draft network's cumulative big board has 10 defensive backs in that 20 to 16 range with three more guys in the top 20. So 13 defensive backs in the top 60 that Miami can go after and supplement Minka Fitzpatrick and Xavier Howard and be the driving force of this defense just as Brian Flores would prefer it because Bill Belichick did that in New England. Nick Saban does in Alabama. They create their pass rush with clever blitzes, games, gap integrity, and it all works because they have a secondary that can do multiple things, whether it's lock down on the outside, come in and reroute the slot, have a safety that can come down and play coverage, or a safety that can drop back into single high and go sideline to sideline on the deep coverage range portion. So the Patriots have this, and they've had it for a long time. Patrick Chung, defined as their strong safety, played 396 reps in man coverage. That's about a third of his snaps playing as a man cover corner up on the line of scrimmage. So the safety has to come down and play coverage. Devin McCourty, their free safety, he played 204 snaps, about 20% of his snaps in coverage as a cornerback. He has to be able to do it too. Now their third safety, Deron Harmon, who did play 61% of the Patriots defensive snaps, he was strictly a sub-package middle of the field patrolman because 526 of his 694 reps were as the deep safety back in coverage. These three guys accounted for 85, 96, and 61% of the Patriots snaps. You need three safeties in this defense to play 60% or more of the snaps. Now in Fitzpatrick, he is perfectly suited for one of those roles, probably the one occupied by Devin McCourty. Now you talk about Rashad Jones and TJ McDonald and say, Travis, why do we have to draft more defensive backs when we have those guys? Those guys can't cover. 46th and 75th graded safeties on profootballfocus.com were McDonald and Jones. Jones 46th, McDonald 75th, and they also aren't the best tacklers and take poor angles at times, and their contracts are incredibly bloated. You can unload those, maybe eat some of the salary this year, like you did with Ryan Tannehill, push more money back into 2020, and then you have rookie contracts in the guys I'm going to talk about here in a second on your payroll with better play and better performance on the field on Sundays. So you get rid of McDonald, you get rid of Jones, you have Howard, you have Fitzpatrick, and you have Bobby McCain, and then a bevy of unproven young corners behind Eric Rowe. 
And since 2019 does not matter from a wins perspective, we're going to go ahead and let Eric Rowe get a crack at it. He gets the first dibs at the other cornerback job until he gets hurt. And then we're going to see if Cordray Tankersley, Cornell Armstrong, Torrey McTire, or Jalen Davis can compete and replace Rowe if and when he does get hurt. We'll come back to that position next year if we have to address it, if those guys don't elevate their game and seize the opportunity. So then the trade back out of 13, get into the 20s, get back into the second round, and then we have the Chung role to fill, and we have the, the Duran Harmon role to fill, and I listed five guys up here that can do it. Jonathan Abram, Mississippi State, we know who he is. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson out of Florida. Nasir Adderley out of Delaware. Juan Thornhill out of Virginia. And Deontay Thompson out of Alabama. You look at the Patriots' top defensive snap takers in 2018. Five of the eight were defensive backs. Number one was Stephon Gilmore. Number two was Devin McCourty. Number four was Patrick Chung. Number five was Jason McCourty. And number eight was Deron Harmon. You had Dante Hightower, Trey Flowers, and Kyle Van Noy in there respectively. So we are loading up on defensive backs. We are undoubtedly going to have to come back and find our Kyle Van Noy and our Trey Flowers because this defense needs those players and does not presently have those players. We'll tackle that later. So that's why I'm saying give me Jonathan Abram. Give me Juan Thornhill. You have your strong safety coverage matchup guy. You have your third deep safety who can play in sub packages and play on base downs as a backup if he has to. In the first two rounds, we have Xavier Howard on the outside locking down everybody like Stephon Gilmore does. And we utilize Minka Fitzpatrick as the Swiss Army Knife. And let's go, baby. We now have an elite level secondary that's young and hungry. It can play fast and different coverages and different schemes. Then we drop the quarterback in in 2020 and reassess the offense and defensive line with the 11 picks we currently have in the 2020 class and likely even more coming with trades this coming year. So in this practice, the mock draft I'm looking at goes Jonathan Abram, number 24, first round. Chase Winovich, I did get my defensive end at pick 35 out of Michigan. In the second round also, Juan Thornhill, pick 48 the safety out of Virginia, and then my outside linebacker, my Kyle Van Noy Hope, Justin Hollins out of Oregon. This plan allows you to get those young corners on the field. It gets you Jonathan Woodard and Charles Harris into a tryout role this year also. And the interior offensive line, eh, that's going to be a struggle. But we can find out what we have in Chris Reed and Jesse Davis there as well, possibly. And if Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balaj are as formidable as I think they'll be, this sounds to me like a vessel primed to be captained by Jake Fromm in 2020. A running game is said to be a quarterback's best friend. But a defense that can consistently keep the opposition around 20 points per game alleviates a lot of pressure on your young signal caller. So whether it's from Tua Tungavailoa, Jordan Love, whoever it might be, nothing is going to be easier for the young quarterback than asking him only to engineer three touchdown drives per game. That is the right recipe. That is a recipe for not just immediate success, but sustained success, just how Steven Ross wants it. All right, we're going to come back on the podcast here and get a little bit more lighthearted talking about some college hoops, Zion Williamson, and other athletes from other sports you want to see playing in Miami. We'll do that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go into this. Yeah, yeah, this is Gorilla. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go get the bag. Yeah, yeah, or I'm going to get the pad. You watch Zion Williamson play basketball, and don't tell me that you don't think that guy could be a dominant force in the National Football League if you just coached him up a little bit, maybe got him in a weight room, specifically training for football. 
the guy's a freak, and it brought me into this idea of which other athletes across other sports could be potential football players and at positions of need for the Miami Dolphins. I went with five players here. I don't have positions for all of them, but it's something we can talk about on Twitter. And then I threw in a joke here at the end for you guys. Let's go ahead and roll through it. The top athletes from other sports I'd like to see come to Miami and play football and make the conversion. Number one, it's obvious. Zion Williamson, defensive end. The guy is, what is he, 6'5", 240 pounds, and he moves like a slot receiver. The way he was, those plays he made on that game on Friday night where he kept on stripping the ball away on defense or throwing down dunks or just overpowering people, that guy with his length, with his wingspan, with his burst, with his get-off, with his size, with the just body composition that he has, I would be very surprised if he couldn't turn in to a solid pass rusher in the National Football League, but of course, he's going to make insane money playing basketball, so good for him. I actually enjoy watching him play, and he might get me back into the NBA next year because he's just that much fun to watch, and that leads us into a guy that really kept me intrigued by the NBA ever since the Supersonics left. And of course, I'm talking about LeBron James. He is number two, maybe a little bit too old now, but in his prime, you don't think he could have played tight end and been like a Travis Kelsey type. The ability to go up and rebound footballs in the end zone down near the red zone for touchdowns, the ability to maybe block in line. I don't think that's going to be his game, but we can flex him out and play him at receiver. You know he works hard enough to understand the craft and the dedication it takes to become a good route runner. I would have been all for LeBron playing football back in his prime. Number three, and this one, I don't know where I want to play him. I just know I want him on my team. But, of course, he just got a half billion dollars in a contract. Mike Trout is 230 pounds of pure muscle, and he runs like a freaking gazelle out there. His neck, his shoulders, just the way he's built. He looks like a football player. He has so much power in his swing. I'm sure that translates over into other sports and the speed, like I mentioned. I'm thinking I'm playing him at linebacker, but I probably can play him at safety. I don't really care where he plays. I think that guy could have been a multi-sport star if he wanted to. But again, he's the best baseball player on the planet. So good for him for cashing in for $430 million. Number four, I had to go to soccer because I've talked about it on the podcast before. It's all about the feet, baby. And soccer players have the best feet. And he used to play for Everton. Now he plays for Man United. Romelu Lukaku at 6'2", 220 pounds. Maybe receiver, maybe he's a cornerback. I know he can change directions. So I want him on the outside, on the perimeter. That's where he's going to play for me. But give me a guy with that makeup and that athletic ability and I'll find a position for him on the football field. And fifth, my buddy sent me this on Twitter or um, a text rather, but talking about players that could do this conversion. And it was a video of him running routes from the slot and leaving the cornerback in the dust. Mookie Betts of the Boston Red Sox, last year's American League MVP. I don't think he won World Series MVP, but he was one of the best players on the, or he was the best player on the best team rather, but he's an athletic freak as well. Might be a little bit slight, but so are guys like Cole Beasley. I'll put him in the slot and watch him eat guys up all day. So Zion Williamson, LeBron James, Mike Trout, Romelu Lukaku, Mookie Betts. Those are my five top conversions from other sports to football players on positions of need for the Miami Dolphins. Send me yours on Twitter, at NFL. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Jose Altuve can probably play quarterback because Kyler Murray paved the way, right? Five, six quarterbacks are going to be a thing in today's NFL. Get Jose Altuve in uniform. I'm sure he could play quarterback at a high level. And I'm sure I could find a role for Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton as well because those guys are behemoths that chose the wrong sport. 
All right, that's about it for the podcast. This NCAA tournament sucks so far, so I'm going to go watch the rest of it on Sunday in hopes that it gets better. Tomorrow, we're going to have Ian Wharton. Been a long time since he's been on the show. He's going to talk about the rookie quarterbacks in this year's class. That'll be out on Tuesday. But as for today's podcast... That is going to be my time. If you guys have a smart speaker, tell your smart speaker or your Bluetooth in your car to play Locked On Dolphins podcast and pull us up right away. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on the new Himalaya podcast app. Leave us a rating, leave us a review on Apple iTunes. Also, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com for that two-year plan article up live right now. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.